If you have your Bibles this morning, turn to Isaiah chapter 40. These are God's words. They're far more important than mine. Listen to what God has to say to us this morning. And by the way, every time we open God's word, he's speaking to everyone in the room. Don't think about your neighbor. Don't think about someone else who needs to hear this. Think about yourself. What does God want to say to me today? Here are his words. Verse 27. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary. Haven't you watched that? Little kids seem like they have endless energy until what? Till about 7 p.m. or 8 p.m. when they hit the wall and then it's over. Bam! And hopefully they sleep a long time. <laughs> Even youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Can we pray together? Ask for God to lead us through his word today. God, thank you for your word. It tells us just what we need to know, just what our hearts need to hear, it shows us the ways that we think incorrectly, the ways that we live in a way that is different from what you want, and then it shows us how to get back on the right path. It trains us how to live and follow you. It tells us about Jesus, oh, how we need him. Thank you for his life and death and resurrection for us. Thank you that he now is in heaven pleading for us on, or pleading to you for us on our behalf. Thank you for the work of the Spirit in our hearts and lives every day. And thank you, God the Father, for your great work as the, the lead, the guide, the creator, the one overall. We stand in awe of God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit this morning. And pray that these words would sink into our hearts and we would take them with us as we go. Help us not to leave what we learned today right here in this room. But God, help us to take it with us out the door to our families, to our community, throughout our week. Help your word to take root and grow and flourish in our hearts, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. Last week, Danny preached, and he finished with Romans chapter 15, verse 13. And this is actually a verse that we've been studying with the teens uh, for probably six or eight weeks in youth group, because I think it's so powerful and it's so needed for us today. And, and it's kind of a prayer at the end of all this teaching that Paul's been doing. Romans 15, 13 says this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. And I wonder what it feels like to you in the world that we live in today. Because to me, it feels like we live in an increasingly hopeless world and church. Do you feel that? I mean, can I ask you this week, how many happy people you met? How many optimistic people did you cross paths with this week? You're like, wow! That person's just really cheerful about life. That person's really optimistic about the future. That person's really positive. 
How many people did you meet like that at the gas station? Zero. <laughs> right? Like, can you feel like just the general sagging, if I want to use, of our souls? Do you feel that? Do, do you feel the irritation that exists in our society? How, how quick people are to snap to judgments or, or snap to uh, your motives or like, it's just, ugh. Our president gave a speech this week and CNN's evaluation was, because I read it, the essence of that speech was, yeah, it's bad out there and there's not much we can do about it. <laughs> Amen! They actually compared it to a famous speech Jimmy Carter made back in the late 70s and early 80s before I was born. And they famously called that speech the malaise speech. <laughs> he never used the word, but that was it. Awesome. It seems like there's a growing negativity about the future. But I find it striking that 1 Peter chapter 3 says that one of the defining marks of Christians who know Jesus is that we're the kind of people who are ready to give an answer to anyone who asks about what? The hope that's in us. Let me say that again because some of you missed it. Listen to me. When people cross our paths in the world, they're supposed to go, I don't know why that person's so happy, but I'd love to know. I don't know why that person has such a positive outlook to the future, but I'd love to know. I don't know why they're so optimistic. Does, does light shine brighter in light or in darkness? It shines the same in both places, but you see it more in the darkness. And listen, I genuinely believe this. We have an opportunity. We have an opportunity in the day and age that we live in, to give an answer for the hope that's in us. I was talking to Wendy Masinkis yesterday, and she was telling me a little bit more of her story about growing up uh, Jewish, but largely irreligious, right, Wendy? Were you guys, yeah, a little bit of both. And actually how God had brought three or four situations across her path before she trusted in Jesus. And she was relaying them. She said, growing up uh, in California, there, there were these people. What were they called, Wendy? Yeah, the Jesus people. There you go. That's front and center. They were serving meals. And Wendy, as someone who didn't yet know Jesus, didn't have a personal relationship with him, went to visit and enjoy the free meal. And she left saying this, I don't know why those people are so happy. They're always happy and kind, and I wish I could believe whatever they're believing. She had a coworker at an amusement park who was a Christian who talked to her about the Lord and tried to share Jesus with her. And years and years later, God saved her. She goes, I wish our paths would cross again and I could tell them. The hope that is in us. We should not look like Eeyore. Christians. We, the first things out of our mouth anytime someone asks us how life is should not be negative. Why? The, the linchpin in, these, in this verse is that one word. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in what? In believing. So what we're believing 
is coming out of our lives. Listen, if you're dwelling upon the fact that gas just cost five bucks, which it did, it's going to come out of your life. If you're dwelling on the fact that you just went to the grocery store and those six bags of things now cost 12 bags worth of dollars, you're like, oh, it's going to come out. If we're dwelling and believing in our relationships or our resources or our circumstances or that next career move or that thing that's going to fix it all in our minds, we're fools who will lose our hope. All those things are like little shots in the arm, but they don't ultimately provide lasting hope. They're all temporary. They're all brief. Say, man, if God would just cure me of this illness, if he would just take away this pain, if he would just restore this one relationship, if he would just give me a new job, if if I would find that rich uncle that I wish I had, like if that would just happen, then I would have hope. You are wrong. You would feel better for a moment but you would not have lasting hope. So, what is it that we believe that fills us with hope in a hopeless world? Danny hit the first one last week, and I want to hit a a second and I think equally important idea this week. Danny reminded us last week from Romans 15 that we live with hope because we believe God always keeps his promises. So God's made all these promises to us. Says, yeah, but it's taking forever. Sometimes it takes long. But God always keeps them. If you know Jesus, he's promised you eternal life. Guess what promise God will keep? He'll keep that promise. He's, he's promised to be with you. He's promised never to leave you or forsake you. He's promised to care for you and provide for you. He's promised to continue to save people from here, there, and everywhere. And he does. God always keeps his promises. So we have hope in spite of today's circumstances. You see that? Here's the second reason, and it comes right out of Isaiah 40. We live with hope because we believe God really cares for his people. You said, but you don't know my circumstance. I know God. But you don't know my situation. We know God. God really cares for you. But here's the deal. We struggle to believe that, don't we? Look at verse 27, Isaiah 40, verse 27. Because we sound just like the people in Isaiah 40. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? And my right is disregarded by my God. Here are people who feel forgotten. And they had good reason to feel forgotten. If you look at the situation in the book of Isaiah, it's not good. (laughs) The circumstances are rough. They were people dealing with a void of good leadership. They had lived through multiple kings who had not led them well. I was trying to think back of when the last time was that our country had a really good leader. Right? And some of you could kind of go back through the Rolodex of your own mind. Now, I've been thankful for elements of a lot of leaders that we've had. But when's the last time we had a really good president who loved God, used his office to serve and love people, was wise and careful with resources? When's the last time you went to, to vote and you found like 10 or 15 people that you were pumped to vote about? 
These guys were living through a void of leadership. They were living through internal conflicts. The northern kingdom and the southern kingdom couldn't get along. I think in a lot of ways, we live as a country right now with two countries within a country. Anybody feel that way? They lived with external threats. Other nations that were like, while you're weak, we're going to come in and and we're going to take you over and wipe you out. And this was a real thing. They heard on the news. However, they heard the news. They lived in an increasingly godless society. The first 39 chapters of the book of Isaiah are, your way is unjust. You're taking advantage of people. You're committing sin that ought not to be talked. Like, it's just, it's a mess. By the way, can I help us all? Ain't nobody in this room going to fix the mess. You're not even going to fix the mess in your own little world. Man, we try hard. We work super hard to get it all just right. Can I just tell you something? It's going to be messy till Jesus comes back. The only one who can fix your heart is Jesus. The only one who can solve the racial unrest is Jesus. The only one who can cure our world, who can, who can fix creation. How about one of us try to fix creation? How about one of us try to cure disease? The only answer is that God, through his son, fixes things. And that left these people with a daunting future. And yet, in a book that highlights God's coming judgment, the page turns in Isaiah 40. Look back at verse verse 1 of Isaiah 40. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. God doesn't offer us hope by fixing our circumstances. God offers us hope within our circumstances. He offers us his comfort. But what's the reality? Look back at verse 27. Sometimes it feels like our way is hidden from God. Some of you in this room today feel like your entire life is hidden from God. Like he's forgotten or lost you in some way. Some of you feel like there are certain areas of your life that are hidden from God. That, that somehow he's, he's missing your finances or he's missing your family or he's missing your church or he's missing your pain. It feels like our ways are hidden from God. But even deeper than that, look at how verse 27 goes on. My way is hidden from the Lord and my right is disregarded by my God. Do you know in the midst of all this mess in the book of Isaiah, there are people who are trying to faithfully follow God? In the midst of whatever their friends and neighbors are doing, in the midst of whatever's happening in their society, they're still plugged in trying to walk with God and serve him and obey him. And do you know what we feel like in those moments? So God needs to do something for me. <laughs> God needs to keep his promises for me and the sooner the better. My right is disregarded by God. You know, it's one thing to play hide and seek. It's amazing how universal a game that is. Right? One, two, three, four, peak, five. I know none of you played that way, but. But imagine if you were playing a gigantic game of hide and seek and you found the very best hiding spot. In fact, it was so good that nobody found you in the last round of the game. And while you were feeling very good about yourself, you realized that the entire group had packed up and left. You had hidden so well that you were now forgotten. <laughs> the feelings would change, wouldn't they? You would go from like, look at me, I'm the king hider of hide and seek ever, to uh uh-oh, 
How many of you have been left somewhere or forgotten? Anybody had this experience? Yeah, your family. Yeah, okay. A few of you. The rest of you don't know the trauma. The, the deep soul questions that begin to emerge. Does my family love me? Do they know I exist? I have three brothers. And we, uh, we used to, our church used to have baptisms at one of our uh, church family's homes. They had a big pool. I remember this because I was baptized at the age of five in, on a May day in New Hampshire. That wasn't a warm May day. I remember drizzly, cold. I was like, can we postpone this? I didn't even know that word when I was five, but we, I remember it. And I remember because our whole church family would come, we had like a thousand people in our church. And my brother John at one of those gatherings was hanging out with his friends, and we left. And we had a station wagon, an old Caprice Classic station wagon, baby blue, some wood paneling. It was a classic. And it had the um, back seats that faced out the back window. Anybody remember those station wagons that had the back seats? Right? So you would sit in the back seat, face out the back window. It was pretty cool. It probably would make me sick if I did it today. And there were four boys, and there was an empty seat in the back, but nobody said anything. (laughs) Till we got home. My parents went, one, two, three. Oh, blank. (laughs) Feeling forgotten is pretty awful. But we can feel that way in our souls, can't we? In fact, isn't that something that Jesus experienced? On the cross, Psalm 22 predicted it. He says something like, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we know the answer, don't we? Because he was bearing the sin of the world. And part of God's judgment was to turn his back on his son. I don't know how long that lasted, but I have to imagine it was the worst moments of Jesus' human existence. And I can't even wrap my head around theologically how that exactly works. So maybe you feel forgotten this morning, and if you do, we get a good reminder. Verse 28. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Listen to me today. God, four things this verse tells us about God. He's eternal. Can I tell you something? God's been around a long time. All the way back, and he'll be around all the way forward, and if you just start spinning your mind about eternity, it'll get stuck again. God, you, this is not the first local gathering of Christians God has cared for. Your family is not the first one that he's, you're not in the first hard situation. God's been at this a long, 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 long time. Amen. I have this much perspective on life in the world. I forget things all the time. But God is eternal. He's the creator. Did you see how the verse says it? The creator of the ends of the earth. How many would consider yourself you're fairly well-traveled? You've been to some places. Yeah, yeah, awesome. I am not. I've been out of the U.S. one time. And it was on our honeymoon when we had no clue how to take a vacation. Why do we all spend so much money and time on a trip we have no clue how to run. Anybody else have this experience? We went to St. Martin. It sounded cool. My grandparents had a timeshare there. All I had to pay was a transfer. It was great. The island is half Dutch and half French. I speak neither. I found out the first grocery store that we went to that everything was priced in florins. You know what a florin is? 
We put everything on the belt to buy our groceries for the trip. It's scanned through in Florence. We only had euros. We didn't know how those worked either. We gave our American dollars to somebody and they gave us back something. That's how it worked. And they kept probably plenty in the middle. And the woman looked at the, she looked at the cash register and saw the total in Florence. She saw that we had euros and she told us this much. <laughs> sure. We had no clue what we were talking about. But I'm not very well traveled. Maybe you are. Isn't it cool to see other places? Right? Isn't it cool? A lot of you are going to go on vacation somewhere to see the, the whatever for you is like the new ends of the earth. But do you know what goes beyond that? Isn't it funny to think that the ends of the earth is different based upon where you are? Or like if you live on some island in the Pacific, like Utah is the ends of the earth. But in Utah, the island in the Pacific is the ends of the earth. Right? And, and we're not even scratching. There's not one of us in our 70, 80, 90 years of existence that's going to even come close to seeing it all. God made it all. And we're not even touching the universe. Do you know earlier in this chapter, God makes the point, I haven't ever lost a single star. I know them all by name, and I know where they are. He's not just the creator. He's not just eternal. He's all-powerful. He does not faint or grow weary. You know, God's never needed a break. I need breaks all the time. The, the government says if you work a certain number of hours in your shift, you need a break. God's never needed a break. When, when Elijah was up on the mountain challenging the prophets of Baal, he's like, maybe your God's asleep. Maybe he needed a nap. God has never needed any of those things. He doesn't faint or grow weary. He's all-powerful, and he's all-wise. Do you see that? His understanding, verse 28, is what? This is why some of us feel forgotten. We're trying to figure out God. Stop it. Like, God is the definition of, like, mind-blown. If you walk with him and know his word, and you, you're going you're gonna to get glimpses, and you're going to get a growing knowledge, and, and you're going to know him more and more. He's going to work out some of those rough edges you don't have. But don't kid yourself. There is no one in this room that's close to figuring out God. His understanding is unsearchable. You say, well, I don't understand why this thing has happened in my life. That's okay. Because God's wisdom is bigger than us. God's knowledge is deeper than us. God's history is longer than us. God is all wise. But here's the challenge. Sometimes we have trouble making the connection. Here's what I mean. We acknowledge factually that God is all those things. He's eternal, he's the creator, he's all-powerful, and he's all-wise. But there is a disconnect in our belief. And somehow, even believing all those things, we start to believe that somehow he's forgotten me. Somehow he's forgotten my situation in this area of life. Somehow he doesn't understand Somehow there's too many billion people to take care of. Somehow uh, I've done something bad and lost God in some way. Do you know you can't lose God? Read Psalm 139. You can go as far as you want, anywhere you want to go. Some of you right now are on the run from God. You're trying to live life your own way, and you're hoping God will just leave you alone. Can I tell you something? 
The last thing you want in the universe, by the way, is for God to leave you alone. But can I tell you something? You can't run. You can't hide. There's no good enough hide and seek spot to get away from God. You can go to the bottom of the ocean. You can go to the ends of the earth. And Psalm 139 says, God's there. But we're like little children. Aren't aren't little children hilarious? They wake up in the morning and they're worried. Dad, what about breakfast? Are we going to get breakfast? What about breakfast? Do we have food? Breakfast. We do breakfast every day. Since you were, you were fed when you didn't even know you needed to be fed. I mean, you cried like you knew you needed, but... Dad, what about clothes? Uh, we get those for you. So you have them. Dad, what about soccer practice? Or don't forget soccer practice today. I mean, how could any parent forget their kid's birthday? How many times have you been reminded? They're like, Christmas is only 10 days away. No kidding. Why? Because we're parents. And in our power and in our resources, we care for children. And just as foolish as it is for a small child to think somehow they're not going to be cared for is just how foolish it is, and even more foolish, right? Because there are parents who don't care for their children. But not God. He really cares. Look at verse 28. Or 29. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even you shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And guys, these are God's words of comfort for us. When verse 1 says, comfort, comfort my people, then God says, look how powerful I am. And then he says, I'm the one who can give you the strength that you need. We are settling for all the wrong sources of strength. It is so easy for us to try to fix it all ourselves, to trust in ourselves, to try to get a little strength boost from all these little micro changes we're making in life. Sometimes they fail us, and even if they help us, they help for a very little time in very little ways, and then they're gone. I don't know how many people I've talked to who have told me that they need a vacation from their vacation. Because somehow they went for like a recharge of strength and they spent more strength and ended up in a worse place. Anybody ever felt that way? Man, this job is killing me. I just need a new job. Man, this relationship is all I can think about and just keeps wiping me out. I need this relationship to change. And in all those cases, we're looking for the wrong pieces of strength. It's like we're getting a little five-hour energy. And that's the best we get out of it. Look at what God says here. Come to me because God has strength when we need it. Did you see that? He doesn't faint, but he gives power to the faint. Anybody feel faint in life somewhere? Anybody feel like your tank is right about on E? You don't want to spend the money to refill it, uh, but you need more. He gives power when we have none. To him who has no might, he increases strength. He renews our strength. And this is my favorite word out of this whole thing. God gives us strength that soars. Isn't this picture beautiful? Have you thought at all about the miracle of flight? Some of us feel like those two birds in the middle there. Can you see that? Can anybody see that? So two baby birds, first flight, 
First, maybe first crash, right? Got a flying squirrel. They're pretty incredible. Anybody know who those two people are? The Wright brothers. I read a biography on the Wright brothers uh, a couple years ago. It was fascinating. But think about how hard the Wright brothers and other people were working just to figure out how to get into the air. And then you got these little birds. They hatch. Do you know that's the picture God chose for the strength he wants to give us? Have you just ever looked out and marveled at watching an eagle fly? It doesn't even look like they're trying. Right? It's like, whoosh, whoosh. I th- that's what I imagine the sound they're making. <laughs> I, I have all the wrong mechanics for flight. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> God is trying to say to us, if you'll just look to me, if you'll just wait on me, if you'll just rest in me, if you'll just follow me, whoosh, whoosh. Now, that doesn't mean life's gonna be perfect. Doesn't mean you're not gonna feel like you're falling out of the nest sometimes. But do you believe that? Because that's where we miss it. And we prove we miss it because we live without hope and we're exhausted by trying to fix and figure and make it happen ourselves. Yes? God gives us his strength as we wait on him. The idea here is not just that we park it, it's that we look to God with positive expectation the disciples in the garden going through one of the hardest seasons of life, what did Jesus say? Watch and pray. Man, I have no strength. Are you watching and praying? Isn't it funny that in the midst of being exhausted, we get too busy for God? We're too busy to spend time in God's word. We're too busy to pray. And then we're running on the fumes of our own strength. Moses said to the people of Israel, standing between the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army, ready to wipe them out, be still and wait for the salvation of the Lord. What does that mean? It means that we're holding on to God's promises, we're embracing his dad-like care for us, his perfect care, and we're excited to see what the future holds. That's hope. Turn to Lamentations chapter 3 and we'll be done. Let's start in verse 19. Lamentations chapter 3. By the way, this book is called Lamentations because life was hard. There was a lot to be discouraged about and lament. The, the, the guy who wrote this, Jeremiah, is called the weeping prophet. At one point, he's trying to point people to God. They get so mad at him, they just throw him in a pit and leave him there. Awesome. Listen to what he says. My, my Bible has the heading on this chapter, Great is your faithfulness. Look at verse 19. Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it, and is bowed down within me, heavy stuff. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord for you, for us, never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I will hope In him. Usually we stop on verses 22 and 23, but look at 25 and 26. The Lord is good 
to those who wait for him. To the soul who seeks him, it is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Where do you feel forgotten? Will you stop trying to fix it yourself and look to the Lord? Let's pray together. God, thank you for your word. I don't know all the life situations in this room, but I know that there are heavy things being carried. There are difficult burdens being borne. Or there are some in this room trying to do that all on their own without you, without Jesus, without forgiveness, and it must be crushing. But would you call us all this morning to stop looking to ourselves, to stop looking to our relationships, to stop looking to our resources, to stop looking within or around us and look up. You are the all-powerful creator, eternal, all-wise. And in Christ, you know and love us. You have promised to care for us. And so we say with the psalmist, our hope is in you. Help us to look to you and be saved all the ends of the earth. Help us to run to you. Help us to spend time with you, to let you fill up the empty tank of our souls. God, sometimes we're tired because we're just out of strength ourselves, and sometimes we're tired because life has just hit us and hit us and hit us again. But you are never tired. And you want to cause us each day to soar with wings like eagles, to run and not be weary, to walk and not faint. And God, our, our world needs that. It doesn't need another Christian to say how tired they are or how worn out they are, how they hope that an election will change something. It needs us to live in hope of you and your promises and walk through each day in that way. God, then we would really be a peculiar people, a different people, a people that people would ask us about our hope. Please fill us with that in real ways as we believe you and your promises and your character. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen.